0: good morning everyone how are we doing y'all awake this morning come on you had your coffee already all right well I tell you what it it is good to be with you guys and I just got to brag on mr. sunshine it's been good to see mr. sunshine the last couple of days because we have had our fair share of rain come on somebody I asked my neighbor the other day you know we're we're still we're in that year-and-a-half stage here in, in Georgia, and I'm like, man, is this Seattle? What's going on here? It's like raining cats and dogs around here. So I am very thankful for the sunshine. I know you are too. Hey, if you have your Bible, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I'm just curious. I wonder how many people actually have a leather-bound book, a leather-bound book. Can you get, there you go. Le- there we go. There we go. We still got it. We got some going. And uh, if you're like me, I got on my iPad or your telephone, your cell phone, excuse me. And so we're going to go there in just a moment. We're in the series Extravagant. Somebody say Extravagant. And man, it's been so good last week. It just keeps getting better and better, and we're going deeper and deeper, and we're just going to dive in a little deeper this morning into part four of this amazing series where we're looking at the beautiful subject of generosity. Somebody say Generosity. Generosity. I'm going to have you talk back to me here and there. And I want to open in prayer so we can dive right in and prepare our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you help me for these few moments speak your word. Let me be your mouthpiece. We silence all the noise and the distractions, the very real stuff going on in our world, and we just say to you right now, we want to hear from you. Speak through me, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. My, my first encounter to generosity uh, was my parents, uh, especially my dad. And since we're getting to know each other a little bit uh, still, I want to give you a little quick, brief history and tie it all into generosity. Uh, I am a third generation dry cleaner's son. Uh, my grandfather started the business in the 1930s. And before he passed, he gave it to my father. And my father, who is still alive today, when he retired, he gave it to my brother. I am the oldest of four boys. Come on, oldest. And uh, got any oldest in the room? Hello. Come on. Oh man, I'm feeling it now. There you go. And so anyway, being a dry cleaner's sons has great advantages and benefits and also some disadvantages. So Anybody remember creases in the pants, guys? Remember those creases? I had those in everything. My jeans, which was very embarrassing as a high school student, creases in your jeans. That's a no-go. I had the best-looking clothes, the best iron clothes. I mean, my whites were white, all right? Uh, Everything looked sharp. Teachers would comment to me, Mr. Frith, you are looking good this morning. I had starched jeans. I kid you not, we used to joke about it at the laundry. We could hold, they were so starched, we're talking heavy starch, that you would have to force your leg in to the jeans, you know, so you're walking around like, you know, stiff. This was my life growing up, but man, I looked sharp. It was good as a kid. And and so that was my, that was my family. And and for, for years, the laundry struggled, honestly, and, but in 1982, my dad is now running the business, my grandfather is already with the Lord, and um, my mom and dad had an experience, and I'm having the shortness because of time, they met the person who is the Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm also third generation Baptist, I learned so much about the word of God from the Baptist, thank God but they didn't really drill down in the person of the Holy Spirit. So my mom and dad went to this big, huge meeting at the Civic Center in little old Dothan, Alabama. The place was packed with hungry people wanting to know more about God. And my mom and dad, I vividly remember they came home around 10 o'clock that night. I was 11 years old and there was something different in their eyes. Their face was lit up. My, my dad, who was not a very emotional, expressive man, uh, I'm more like my mom, I'm super emotional, super expressive, and, and, and just people crazy. Uh, my dad, who was not that way, was just lit up, couldn't stop talking. Something happened to my parents that I didn't fully experience until I was 24 years old. But they got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, they already were loving Jesus, they were already saved, but they didn't understand there's more, somebody say more. And they met the more in the person of the Holy Spirit. By the way, there is more for you and I today. And it comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Another subject for another day. But everything changed at the Frith House, everything changed. Uh, My parents were more uh, touchy and loving, which they were not at the time. Um, I saw my mom and dad constantly reading the Bible, which they didn't before at the time. My dad was reading books all the time, just studying. They were hungry. They were passionate. They were loving on people. And I started noticing these generous acts from my parents. And my dad, where the business had been struggling, he finally said, Lord, this is not my business. This is your business that you've entrusted to me. And the Lord started blessing the business. All these things were happening and all of a sudden our home where we never had anybody in the home, my mom and dad were opening up the home all the time to people. I mean, it was almost like, hey, can we just have our family because the spirit of hospitality exploded in the frith house. I remember coming home from school as a teenager in my early teens and there would be a stranger sitting at the table. This happened numerous times. And I found out later from my mom who was whispering to us boys in the bathroom Daddy picked up another hitchhiker, it's okay, stay close to me. And we're over there like, what is happening? You know, who is this man called my father? And, but he had such a love. And he was, I noticed he was reading books called The Economy of God and The Kingdom of God. And, and he was seeing this much bigger world. And, and I would watch him with these men. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, hearing someone crying. And I would sneak in there like Christmas Eve, you know, trying to see what's going on. And I would sneak in there and I would see these strangers on their knees weeping and asking Jesus, Jesus to become their Lord and Savior. The generosity, the hospitality, the love was exploding in my parents, and it was being deposited into us. Generosity. Now, let me fast forward to me and Lise. When Lise and I first got married, I mentioned this a little bit last week in the 11 after Pastor Johnson's service. I was a part-time youth pastor making 75 bucks a week. That's what I was making when we started. Let me just tell you, that's not going to get you very far in life. So I had to get another part-time job. Let me see if anybody remembers this place at a shoe place called Buster Brown Shoes. Yeah. Hello, Buster Brown. They, they, they had the slogan where a kid could be a kid before the other place. All right. And so Buster Brown was known for specialty shoes. They could fit the sizes that you couldn't find in other places. So I was surrounded by teenagers as a part-time youth pastor, and surrounded by little kids at Buster Brown's shoes. I was surrounded by the next generation. And we, Lisa of all, was working at all places at a feed and seed place as the admin. She didn't know anything about feed and seed, but we needed, hey, we needed to pay the bills, we needed all this kind of stuff. We were tithing thank the Lord. We were raised that way, both of us as kids, but we were not managing the rest of the 90% very well. But because we were tithing, we always saw the goodness of God and the provision of God and the blessings of God. And so, and if you, if you missed last week's message from tithing for Pastor Johnson, you got to go watch. It was so good. And this is what happened. We, I'm not one to talk about you know, a need. Uh, some people have to pull it out of me. Pastor Chris, you doing okay? I'm not that guy. I'm not. I'm not the person to say, "Hey, we're hurting," I, I, unless I really feel like inside I need to say something. And uh, and so we never told anybody. But man, we were barely making it. Barely making it. And I'm telling you, this is where for me, it started connecting with generosity. Strangers would come up to us or people in the church, we never told anybody anything, and they'd give you that Holy Ghost handshake. You know what a Holy Ghost handshake is, right? They give you that Holy Ghost handshake and in their hand was something and when they would walk away, I'd have a couple Benjamins in my hand. That's when you know it's the Holy Ghost handshake, all right, somebody. And so I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, I'd be like right mm, you know, just like, thank you, Lord. And have you ever noticed the Lord knows what we need when we need it? And so he, in those moments, they didn't know, but our car had just broke down. They didn't know, but something else happened. They didn't know, but God told them. And I remember one lady came up to me and Lisa, and she gave us a Holy Ghost handshake hug. It was kind of like this, Mm-mm, and she put it over us, and she grabbed my hand. So she gives us this hug, and I got her hand there, and she's slipping something in my hand. It's just like a wad, and I'm like, okay, you know, and she's holding on to, I love you guys. The Holy Spirit told me to give this to you. And so she backs away, walks away real quickly, and I look, and there's some money in my hand. I'm seeing these people walking in generosity. They know nothing going on, and I'm thinking at the time, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I don't got time to go into it, but we've been blessed twice in 25 years of our marriage. Uh, Two different families at two different churches came up to us and said, one family came and gave us a credit card and said, we want you to guys go on vacation. It's all on us. I was like, oh, Lord. I mean, I just like, I was, thank you, Lord. It was, inc- I was like, honey, we're going to Hawaii. We went to the Rockies, but it was still really good. <laughs> Another family gave the church, we don't know who it was to this day. They gave the church $5,000 and it was a little note and it said, we want the frisk to go to Disney World. Please let, make this, get this into their hands generosity. And I kept thinking through these years, I want to be like that. I, I, I want to I bless someone like that. I'm going to throw out a, a few things here. I, I want to be like my dad who would be led by the spirit to a total stranger and would bless them. I, I want to I I anonymously pay for someone's meal at the restaurant and they never ever know I'm telling you what. If you've never done that, it's really cool to see their face. You're kind of watching. You know, you've already walked out and you're watching, and they're they're like arguing with the waiter or the waitress. What? What? You just see that. You know, from a, what's going on. You know, and you're like, Hey, yes. I wanna I wanna pay off someone's school bill. Yeah, there's there's a student like, Yes, Lord, Yes, Lord, Yes, Lord, Lord. Every college student. I wanna I wanna open our home. And we've done these things by the grace of God. But I want to continually open our home to be a blessing to others. I want to pay for someone's car repair. I want to be generous, come on, like our heavenly father. We serve a gracious and generous, extravagant, loving father. For God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave, he poured it out starting with his own son. I mean, God's always giving, isn't he? He's just giving gifts. He's given whatever we need in those moments. God's constantly giving. His reservoir gifts will never run out. His love is unfailing. It's unending. He's always giving. And I believe the church should and would the desire the heart would be, I want to look like my gracious, generous father. Amen? With a sign of hands, just real quick, from the front to the back, how many people, you just wanna be generous and be used by God? Come on, thank you, Lord. But here's the real question, don't raise your hands on this one. How many of us in the room, we want to be truly generous when the Lord prompts us to bless others, but unfortunately, because of places in our finances and our life right now, we're not able to. That was me and Lisa for years. And it's not getting more money that solves that problem. It's actually being a good steward of what God's already given you. Amen? That, that, was, that was our problem. As, as we look back, you know, you look back retrospectively, you learn so much in those moments of what, how God shows you things. But we strongly, as I said, we strongly believed in the tithe and we did tithe. And so I never said this, to my knowledge, I never said this out loud, but, I, but it's like I tithe and I didn't focus on the other 90%. I never said it out loud, but I treated that 90% like it was mine. And the reason I say I treat it because my actions spoke for themselves. I may have never said that 90% was my money, but I acted like that 90% was my money. Does that make sense? Actions speak louder than words. Today, I wanna talk to you just for a few minutes this morning about if you're taking notes, and I really encourage you to take notes this morning on your phone or whatever else. We're about to read from Luke chapter 12. I want to talk to you about what I'm calling strategic stewardship. Strategic stewardship. See, because if we really want to be generous, somebody say generous. If we really want to be generous and look like our heavenly father, then we're going to have to live differently than the world. See, the world, you know this, but I'm gonna say it, the world's always taking, taking, taking. God's always giving, giving, giving. Completely polar opposites. The spirit of the world is greedy. God is always generous. The spirit of the world is craving more, more. I got to have more. The latest, the greatest, the newest, the best. I got to have it. God's giving all that and more away. Sharing, sharing. That's God. The spirit of the world and the spirit of God are in complete opposites. Night and day, light and darkness. Are you with me this morning? And so let's look at this real quick before before I kind of give you, uh, tell us all how to be strategic in our stewardship. There's three levels. We have it right here on the screen. Three levels the world lives at. The world, we're looking at the world now, lives at in regards to money. Number one, we get content living in debt. Well, everybody has debt. Debt, debt, debt. The government's got debt. They just raised the debt ceiling, and don't you wish we could somehow raise the debt ceiling like the government can, you know? Anyway, uh, they've done that for years, by the way. It's nothing new. It's not one president. It's all presidents. They just continue to raise the debt ceiling. The debt grows, grows, grows. Everybody has debt, so I guess it's okay for us to have debt. But no, God's word doesn't, he don't want us to be a slave to the lender. But this is the way of the world. Bitch, just being, I mean, I, I know it's crazy. And we we went through that where we had to chop down all the debt, but you just get used to the debt. You you become, again, you would never say it, but you become complacent in it because it's, well, we'll never get out of it. You ever felt that before? I'll never get out of all this. You become content in the debt. Number two level the world lives at in regards to money is just striving to break even. Lisa and I lived there for years, even though we were tithing. Again, we've got to recognize and understand it's not just the 10% that we tithe to the Lord. We've got to make sure we're being good stewards of the 90%. So striving to break, break even, what do I mean by that? Living paycheck to paycheck. Hey, I'm just curious, have you ever been there before? You don't need to raise your hand, but you're counting down the days till midnight when the bank, when you get paid again to be able to pay the bills. Like, come on, come on. Oh, thank God. We were there for years. And I remember telling Lisa with my mouth, if we just would get paid more money, I mean, my goodness, can they just pay a youth pastor something? We're, we're, we're living on pennies. I was complaining to her, complaining to God, but I wasn't taking care of what he had already given me, even though I was tithing my 10%. Just living paycheck to paycheck. And then number three level of the world when it comes to money is just accumulating More and more, it's it's what I was talking about. It's just the spirit of the world craving more and more stuff. Just accumulating more and more stuff. Hey, let me just say this to you. There's nothing wrong with having stuff, just don't let the stuff have you. There's nothing wrong with having possessions and you being blessed, just don't let the possessions possess you. I had to learn that the hard way too. Luke chapter 12. Are you there? Luke chapter 12, verse 16. We Look down at verse 16, just five verses. This is mainly our main text, but I'm gonna throw some other scriptures before we close out, but let's look at this together. If, If you've grown up in church, you've heard this story, but let's look at it in the context of what we're talking about them right here. It says, then he told them a story. Who's he? It's Jesus. It's in red, so we better pay attention, all right? A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to to himself, now I want you to pay attention to this. I noticed this yesterday, and I've heard this story a million times. Look how many times we see the word I or myself in these few five verses. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store for all my wheat and other goods and look at verse 19 and I'll sit back and say to myself evidently he really talked to himself a lot uh my friend all right my friend you have enough stored away for years to come now take it easy eat drink and be merry but God said to him you fool you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? And I really want to highlight verse 21. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. I'll read that last sentence again. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich. Come on, say it with me: relationship with God. Thank you, Lord, for water. Winston Churchill said this. Listen to this quote. This is, this is awesome. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I'll say that again to get that in our spirit. I had to read that several times this past week. I was like, oh, man. We make a living, come on, say it with me, by what we but we make a life by what we, by, we make a life by what we give. Can I just encourage you this morning? You can never outgive God. If he is the great giver of all gifts, if he is the great God who gave us his only son, you can never outgive God. I have seen it time and time again when the Lord has pressed us, impressed upon us, encouraged us to to meet a need of another person or to bless someone anonymously. I would tell the Lord, I don't have it. And the Lord would say, I know. (laughs) Give. And the Lord would bless us unbelievably. You can never Outgive God, but it, when it comes down to it today, we're talking about stewardship and specifically strategic stewardship. I want to give you the definition before we look at the strategy real quick of biblical stewardship. We have it right here on the screen. Biblical stewardship. I love this definition. I can't forgive me. I I've, I lost the quote where I got it from, but it's utilizing and managing all resources God has provided for the betterment. Come on, somebody say betterment. For the betterment of his creation. So it's managing all resources God has provided for the betterment of others, the advancement of his kingdom, and for the glory of his name. Man, I love that. Leave it on there for a second. Let that soak into some people. It's us utilizing and managing everything that God has blessed us with that he has provided for us so we can bless others, we can better others, we can advance his kingdom, and we can bring glory and honor to his name. Because when you give, it looks like Jesus. When you serve, it looks like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I wanna look like Jesus, amen? That when people encounter us at work, at home, at your favorite coffee place, wherever it is, even in our frailty, even in our imperfections and our flaws, that people encounter and experience Jesus through us. Amen? Stewardship. We have to be a steward. Somebody say steward. We've been called, not have to be, we've been called to be a steward of the King's resources that he's given us. That means when I was making $75 a week, I need to be a good steward of that and compared to what I was making uh, 15 years ago and compared to what I'm making today, that I need to be a good steward. And how do people know, if you're not faithful over here in the little things, why would God give you anything more? And so the Bible even says that if you're not faithful what he's given you, if, if over time you're not faithful, he will take it away and give it to someone who will be. He's all about Stewardship because it's all his in the first place. Let me just say this to you to get us on the same page. It's not 10 and 90. It's 100% his. All of it's his. And right now, can I tell you what? Our flesh don't like to hear this. You're like, what about me? I mean, I earned that money. Well, let me tell you what, if you have a, if you have a good job, it's because of God. If good things are happening in your life, it's because of God. No matter what's going on, If it's good, if it's being a blessing to you, it's God. And here's what you already know, but I'm going to say it. God has blessed you so you and I can be a blessing to others. Amen? Well, Pastor Chris, I'm I'm, I'm over here. I, I hardly have enough. Well, here's what we're talking about being strategic in our stewardship, taking care of what he's given us so that we can be a blessing to others. Yes, save. I'm, I'm, Lisa and I right now are talking to people about retirement. We're actually behind on that because we had to get things corrected in the last few years in our finances, so we're behind. But thank God we got it corrected so we can move forward. So yes, you need to save. Yes, you need to do things. I'm thinking about my kids when they get older. But God, help me be generous to those around me. Help me look like you, Jesus. Are you with me this morning? There's a reason that we wanna get out of debt, and it's not just to get out of debt. Yes, we need to all get out of debt. But there's a reason. There's a reason to pay off those credit cards and chop them up. There's a reason for that. There's a reason to stop accumulating the stuff more, more, more. There's a reason for that. It's called strategic stewardship. Look at the definition right here on the screen. It's living, somebody say living, living beneath our means so that we can be generous. It's living beneath our means. See, most of us, if this, is, if this table is our means right here, and this is where it is, a lot of us, now we, and we were there for years, we were up here. We were above it. We, had, we did not have enough coming in. We weren't stewarding it enough, and so we were drowning up here. We were overloaded with all kinds of stuff. But God has called us to be a people that are strategic in stewardship, that we are living below our means, so there's more here so we can be a blessing to others. Because we've been there. I have felt guilty, I had to fight it off. By the way, guilt is not of God. But at the same time, I was feeling conviction. I was in services, I was around people, I was at a restaurant in our early years and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to bless them. And we did not have the money and it wasn't God's fault, it was mine. I blamed, in my, in my immaturity in my early years, I blamed the churches that I worked for that they did not pay us enough. But what I learned through the years, it wasn't the church's responsibility to take care of my finances. It was mine, and I was not doing a good job. Stewardship, strategic stewardship. See, God has called us to be a blessed people but we don't hold it to ourselves like we it in some pool. See, God is like a river. He wants to flow through us. There's that old saying, and you're gonna hear me say this a few times, if he can get it through you, he will get it to you. If he can get it through, you see, we're supposed to be the river, a conduit, a vessel that God can use. But a lot of times we find ourselves, and we were there for years, we just accumulated debt and other stuff because we wanted it. We, we didn't really need it, but I want this. And, and so what we found ourselves, maybe like some people in this room, we were driving cars we couldn't afford. We were living in houses that we couldn't afford, and we were barely getting by but it wasn't the bank's fault and it wasn't the church's fault, it was my responsibility, it was my fault. I wasn't being a steward of all of God's finances, not just the 90% because honestly, I checked it off in my mind. I'm tithing, we're good. But I did not, I was not a good steward of the 90% and I had it in my mind divided but actually it's all 100% his. See, he's the owner I'm the manager. Ooh, our flesh don't like to hear that. Mm-mm-mm. I wanna say it again to get it in our spirit, even though our flesh don't like to hear it. He is the owner of everything. Whatever we have, it's His. We're just managers of what He has placed in our hands. Are you getting this this morning? It's so important that we understand this principle that it's God's. It's all God's and it should be for all of his glory. You've got to understand if he can get it through you, if he can get it through you, he will get it to you. So how do we live this intentional life of strategic stewardship? I wanna give you three points, three points, and then we're gonna do something really, really cool, so lean in. Three points, three principles, actually, not points, three principles of strategic stewardship. Number one, I've kinda already went there because I'm just so passionate about what I'm talking about because of the freedom Lisa and I have experienced, but the number one principle is ownership. Somebody say ownership. It's the ownership principle. And again, the problem is, I've already got it gone into this, but the problem is we think or we act like our money or our stuff is ours, and it's actually all the Lord's. Look at Psalms 24.1. You know this verse. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. I'm going to say a sentence that your flesh isn't going to want to hear. If God owns everything, then we own nothing. And you can see if there's confusion in our heads about this subject, if I'm the manager but I'm acting like an owner, you can see how there can be conflict. No, 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 this is mine. This is mine. So through the years, the Holy Spirit would ask me when I was to make a big purchase, hey, have you talked to me about this? And I'm like, I just need that flat screen television. That 65-inch beautiful baby in my living room. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a 65-inch flat TV screen, all right? It looks really pretty in our living room. But the Lord was making a point in my heart like, have you even checked with me on this? So I bought a car two major painful lessons. And I know everybody in this room could be right up here with me right now. We bought, I, it was really me, I forced it. Lisa kept saying, I don't know about this, I don't know about this. Husbands, listen to your wife, they sound a lot like the Holy Spirit. Dang it. I'm always like, shh, woman, I'm trying to bless you. You need this. She's, and, she's, and when she stops talking, because she can see the look in my eyes, like, stop, you're embarrassing me. Then she's hitting me under the table with her knees. She's like, I don't think you need to do this. And so finally, I'm like, hey, honey, could you just step out and get some coffee for me? I need to you know deal with this or whatever. I just don't want to hear it. That got me in trouble. Bought a car that we had to get out of. It was horrible getting out of it, but we had to do it. It almost killed us financially. And then when we had baby number three, the G-man, Grant Christian, we were living in this church parsonage. Listen to me, you're gonna, I know you're gonna wanna come up here and slap me right now, I know you are. Like, what were you thinking? We paid $1 a month, Pastor Jeremy. $1 a month for a church parsonage. And in my mind, I'm like, this is embarrassing. I see roaches around this parsonage, you know, like this is not, ni- this is not nice o- enough for my wife. And so, you know what I did? I went out and I took Lisa with me the whole time. She's like, I don't think we need to do this. I don't think, like, no, get behind me, woman. I'm trying to bless you and the family. And so we got into this house that the bank said we could afford. I mean, the bank wants it, Right. Oh, yes, yeah, sign away, sign away. Oh, you can afford this. I'm like, well, it's. I'm even looking like it's pretty tight. Oh, no, you know, the taxes, it'll all work out for your favor. I should have said, get behind me, Satan. You know, like, literally. The bank's like, come on, because they want that money in the interest that you'll be paying on forever. And so by a miracle, by a miracle, the Lord sold that house. I'm giving you examples. Been there, done that. Learn from it. Thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you, we've gotta be good stewards and it starts understanding who's the owner and who's the manager. First Chronicles 29, 14 says this, but who am I and who are the people that we could give anything to you? Everything, somebody say everything. Yes. Everything we have comes from you and we, and we give you what you first gave us. Ooh, I love that. The second principle, are you with me this morning? The second principle, very quickly, the second principle is contentment. I wanna say it again because we need to get this word in our spirit, contentment. It's not, you didn't hear the word craving or accumulating, you heard the word contentment. This is how we are strategic in our stewardship. The definition, I love the definition. We could just preach on this subject alone. It's being satisfied with where you find yourself, who you are, and what you've been given. Being content. Somebody say content. Content. But that's not the world we live in. The world says more, more, more. Crave it, get it. You want it, buy it. Put it on, charge it. All these kind of things. And God's like, slow down. Have you noticed the world is moving in Mach 10 and God moves a little slower? God's a marinator. The world's a microwave. I'm gonna say that again. God's into marinating. Any any steak lovers in the house? The best steaks have been marinated for a day or so. I had the most best steak we've ever had in our life. When they were interviewing us at The Rock in Asheville, North Carolina, he was telling me, he's like, this is one of the best steaks you ever, it's going to take you to the third heaven and back in just a moment, as soon as your taste buds touch it. And I'm like, really? I mean, I've had some good steaks. And he's like, and he knew I was a coffee lover. He's like, Chris, they soak this in this sauce that's got coffee in it. And I'm like, what? But when I put that fork in there, it was like butter. I was like, oh, Lord. And then when I put it in my mouth, I was like, oh. I mean, I was like, it was so good, y'all. And I asked the waiter, I was like, this is so good. He's like, yeah, it's marinated for a couple days. I'm like, "Mm." see, God is into marinating. The world is in the microwave. Gotta have it, push the button, ding, it's there. God's like, wait, wait, maybe I've even got something better. Not maybe, I do have something better. Wait, don't force it. If you gotta force it, don't do it. When in doubt, my wife always says it, I can't stand it. When in doubt, don't. Leave it out. Hush. I'm up here, baby. You're. I need some coffee. Uh, contentment. Look at the verse right here. 1 Timothy 6, just a few verses. Stay with me. It says, Paul says this to his spiritual son, Timothy, yet, oh my goodness, look at this, yet true godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. I gotta read that again so you get it. Yet true godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take, I can't, I can't talk, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. You will never see a U-Haul behind the hearst. So when we have enough food, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be, come on, say it with me, let us be content, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation or trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows." Listen to me, before I give you principle number three, true contentment is found in the Lord. And with the help of his Holy Spirit and with some accountability, all of us can say, I have enough, I'm content. We can't do it on our own, our flesh wants, craves. But with the help of the Holy Spirit and some really good accountability, I have enough, I'm fine, I'm content. Principle number three, the wisdom principle. Somebody say wisdom. So number one, we said ownership. Number two, we said contentment. We're talking about how to be strategic in our stewardship. Number three, wisdom. I hope you hear my heart this morning, church. I'm not telling you that Lisa and I have it all together. We do not. But I'm telling you, we are learning, we are growing, we are students. I think we should be students until the day the Lord takes us home. Always learning, always growing, always advancing, always moving forward in God. The number three principle of strategic stewardship is wisdom. See, if we're gonna be good stewards of God's stuff, all 100%, then we need the wisdom of God to make better financial decisions today and tomorrow. Proverbs 3 says this, joyful is the person who finds wisdom. I love that. The one who gains understanding for wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. See, we can't just be flipping in our financial decision making. That's what got us in trouble in the first place. We need wisdom, not just smarts. There's a difference between knowledge and smarts and wisdom. Wisdom is found in the Lord. Smarts is through research and study and talking to people, but wisdom is supernatural, and we need the supernatural wisdom of God to be able to handle his stuff, his stuff. We need his wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Now, before I close and we do something cool, I'm want to throw. i just gonna throw these nuggets at you. You don't need to write them down, but I'm just gonna throw them out to you and maybe some of them will stick. I wanna give you just some wise nuggets that Lisa and I have learned through the years. Number one, just some wise nuggets regarding all this. We need to repent of not being good stewards of what God has given us. Hey, let's call it what it is. It's sin. It's a disobedience. When I run my finances my way and not his way, let's just call it what it is, Bible. It's sin and I need to repent of my selfishness and my greed. Father, forgive me. I have not been a good steward of your finances and your stuff. And stewardship, by the way, I don't even have time to go there, but it's also about your life. It's about your marriage. It's about your children. Everything, everything we have comes from the Lord. The Bible even calls our children gifts that he's entrusted to our care. So we need to repent. Somebody say repent. We need to repent. I know people don't like to hear that word, but that's a very good biblical word we need to get in our dictionary of our heart. Number two, we need to develop a budget which includes tithing and generosity. We need to develop a budget which includes tithing and generosity. And if you were to look at our budget, my budget has an entertainment account because I was never good with it for years. And so if I wanna go get a book or if I wanna get a movie or whatever, I've got an entertainment account in my budget so I'm not just throwing money to the wind. Budgets are good, but we gotta make sure we include the first, tithing and generosity or you'll never do it. Number three, develop a financial plan to get out of debt. And number four comes right behind it, seek help to do it. There's some incredible people at Hamilton Mill and at Norcross in Midtown. Lisa and I are meeting in a couple of weeks with Pastor Daryl Mims, a genius in finances because I'm looking at retirement. And again, I told you I'm running behind on that. So I got to catch up. The man knows his stuff. He's a big tither. He's a big giver and he's wise in finances. I want to hang around people like that so I can learn and grow. Seek help and counsel from those who have gone before you. Number five, if this is a biggie. Stay with me. You might not like me after this message, but you gotta love me. Number five, if you're in debt, stop charging on the credit card. If you're in debt, stop charging on the credit card. Amen? We got, to, I, I just got, to, I, I live, I, I, no, we gotta stop. We gotta stop. Determine, number six, I told you I was throwing at you quick. Determine where you can make some serious cuts. So we had to make a decision years back, we gotta cut this. But I won't direct TV. We gotta cut it. But it's got the NFL ticket, cut it! But we're in Texas and all we can watch is the Cowboys and I wanna watch the Falcons, cut it! We did those things and they were painful because we need to get our finances in order. We had to understand and write a line, wants and needs. I was over here, though, with needs with an NFL ticket. I mean, it was like, I need the NFL ticket. Lisa was like, no, you don't. Determine where you can make serious cuts. And number seven, this is huge. This has saved us in the last few years before you make a, a big decision. Ask wise people. Before you make a big decision, somebody say big. Before you make a big decision, ask wise people. Hey, I'm about to, I might might buy a car. Seek some counsel. Ah, this is my money, I'll do what I wanna do. Hey, seek counsel. The Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counsel. Seek people out. Hey, what do you think about this? We're looking at moving to a church in Atlanta called Victory Church. We're pretty excited about it. Uh, They wanna talk to me and Lisa about being the the youth and young adult guys. That's a big decision. We're gonna move our family. Hey, we ran it by three or four people to pray and get back with us. Big decisions. Ask wise people, seek counsel. See, here's the beautiful thing, church, in closing. We don't have to do this alone. You're not alone. I've just told you my failures and I only gave you the highlights. We're all in this together. But God can help us become great stewards of his money. Hey, the church even has stuff going on with financial classes. You're in a church that believes in helping us get debt free. The church has this. Um, there's a, I think we have a link right here. Yeah, it's right there. VictoryAtlanta.com, money and work. And you can go there. I think they even got something going on tonight. They always got something going on to help us move forward and walk in the wisdom contentment and that managing of what God's given us, amen? I know I flew through this, but stay with me here, last points. Why are we doing all this? Why am I talking about all this? Because God wants to bless you and bless me so we can be a blessing to others. God wants us to be strategic in our stewardship. He wants us to be able to live below our means so we can be ready when he prompts us to bless people, to bless people. Okay, so we've got to recognize and understand that it's different. If he can get it through you, listen to this statement. If he can get it through you, he will get it to you. Can I ask you today in closing, remember we're a river, somebody say a river. What's blocking the river of God in your life regarding his stuff, his finances? that we can be better stewards of what he's given us. Walking around this room yesterday praying for you and praying for myself to be able to speak his heart, the Holy Spirit just kept highlighting the words blockages. It's like a clotted artery. I pray to God I never have one, but I've known a lot of people that have. And there's some blockage where God is trying to get stuff through us, but there's things blocking it. And I would submit to you this morning because of what we're talking about, that it's poor stewardship, that we're not being good stewards. But by the way, there is no guilt, there's no condemnation for anyone in this room. We all are learning, we're all growing. Unless you got your arms crossed spiritually speaking, you're like, I don't care what you have to say, then that's between you and God. But if you're hungry today and you wanna learn, you wanna grow, and we can learn from our mistakes and failures, then God wants to use us to let the blessings come to us so they can go through us, amen? Because we're a river, not a pool. We're a river, not an aquarium. You ever seen those aquariums that aren't clean? I'm gonna gonna come down here for a moment. You ever seen those aquariums that aren't clean? They just get really dirty, polluted. But God can clean any mess up in our lives. Hey, listen to me, over in the corner, over there, over here, I'm speaking to myself, all of us in this room, whatever mess you got going in your life, God can clean it up. Bring him the mess whether it's financially, whether it's your heart, whether it's your marriage, we serve a God who can clean up the mess, amen? So thankful for that. And because if we can live like strategic stewards of God's blessings, if we can live like that, we can do things like this. We're gonna take a moment, come on over here, baby. We're gonna take a moment and do for one, which we, which we wish we could do for everyone. I won't say that again. We're going to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. We want to honor this beautiful family right here. Beautiful family, starting with mom and dad, Art and Mary. Yeah, he still. He says I still got the crease on my pants right there. Let me get my notes. Let me get this on my screen table real quick. But the beautiful, hello, where are you at? Anyway, sorry. The beautiful Martinos, Andre and Erica Martineau, and your beautiful family. And y'all are looking at me like, now, what is going on? We want to thank you guys for serving in this church. Andre, if I'm right, that you've been here almost 20 years. And Erica, you've been here since 2013. Four kids. Y'all have served everywhere. We don't even know each other because we're the new kids on the block. But everybody in this church speaks so highly of your family. You come from good stock, brother. I just want you to know. Man of God and a a woman of God right here. (laughs) Through the highs and the lows that we all go through, we all go through, through the ups and the downs, because of the stewardship of Victory Church, we want to bless your family today. So I'm going to ask y'all to do something with me. Can y'all step out of the house and come this way? And church, y'all are going to watch us on the screen. So you're going to want to get up and go crazy, but just stay in your seats, okay? So, yes, Art, right, Mary, come on. Now, how long have you guys been married? Seven years. That's awesome. And we got, correct me if I'm wrong, 18-year-old, 14. 14-year-old, one of the kids is even serving. Because you guys have been greeters. Y'all have served in youth. You've served in middle school, children, all of that. God's blessed you guys. Cafe, all this good stuff. And so what we see in y'all is kingdom hearts. And we also know that, like I said, with all of us, we have ups and downs and all arounds. And we've heard, and all arounds, and we've heard a little bit about some transportation troubles. And so, by the grace of God, and by this church being incredible stewards with their finances, we want to bless you guys with a minivan. And so I want you to come on out this way, right now. This is for your family. This bad boy right here has got your name all over it. Thank you for your giving to make things like this happen. We love y'all. God bless you.